The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by ColorCast. Guys, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform free to download and to use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, and it's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS uh, app store, create a profile, and link your Twitter and join a group. Follow me at BTU Larry to be I, to be notified when my room goes live, and we'll be going live on ColorCast every Friday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come and join the spiciest takes. Come find the new home for Club 34-7. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink. Your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back for the last official episode of the 2021 season, uh, the Super Bowl 56 review. And uh, we've got knee-jerk reactions uh, as well. Uh, we also have Jake Ellenbogen from downtown Rams back on the show with the the victorious team uh, back to help me review the game, give me his side uh, of things, what he thought uh, as the game was going along, him reacting to my knee-jerk reactions and uh, and everything, and uh, seeing how all of that goes. Uh, we also talk a bit about uh, what our favorite TV spots were uh, during the uh, during the game and and other various things uh, in between. So it was a very comprehensive talk that I had uh, with Jake, and uh, we covered every inch of the game that we could think of. And uh, I had a great time uh, having him on, and I think it is a fitting end to the 2021 season, uh, a perfect bow on this outstanding offseason, or excuse me, postseason uh, that we had pretty much from the divisional round on, seven straight awesome, you know, memorable football games to close down this, uh, this amazing uh, season uh, that we've had, uh, the longest in, in NFL history with the 17 games, uh, and, and, you know, because of the seven teams in the playoffs and, you know, the Rams ended up playing 21 games, uh, this year to, uh, to get to and win, uh, the Super Bowl. So, and they came out on top, they were victorious. And, uh, I talked to Jake Ellenbogen from downtown Rams about it. So what do you say? We go ahead and get to it. This is the Super Bowl 56 review episode of the Bears talk underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the Super Bowl 56 on Sunday capped off an amazing postseason 
uh, for the 2021 uh, season with the L.A. Rams coming out victorious uh, with a late comeback over the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, back to review the game with me, a uh, fan of the world champion L.A. Rams, Jake Ellenbogen from Downtown Rams. Jake, congratulations, sir. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. It has been uh, just a, a crazy journey coming from a team that won in 1999 when I was four years old <laughs> uh, to then watching them have a chance 20 years later to avenge the loss that they had to Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots, mm-hmm. only to fail. Uh, ma- basically making me believe that karma does not exist. <laughs> and then <laughs> finally... Uh, you know, three Super Bowls later in 56, uh, the Rams getting the job done against, uh, you know, the Bengals. Just, uh, just incredible, really. Yeah, and I'm glad that, that Cincinnati was up to the task. Um, and like I said, you know, had, had gave us a Super Bowl worthy of the postseason that came before it. So, I mean, I'm, uh, it was a fantastic game all the way down uh, to the end. I've got my... My patented knee-jerk reactions between each quarter, we'll go over those as well. And you mentioned karma. Uh, we'll talk about that towards the end because I think there was some karma in this game. And um, we'll talk about it as we, as we go along. But um, So let's, let's talk about, the, first of all, the, the going into the game. I purposely avoided most of the pregame festivities just because, you know, I hate having to sit through five hours of that shit before the game starts uh, and everything. So I uh, I kick it on after I went out and got my chicken wings to to watch the game with. And um, my first question is, um, you know, they they have the Rock come out and do his Rock thing and introduce the two teams. And then I go on Twitter and I see nothing but people hating on it. How did you feel about The Rock doing that intro at the beginning of the game? I, <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> I gotta give him props because I thought when he was going to be at the game, I totally thought he was going to throw a promo in for because WrestleMania will be at that same venue next year. So I thought he was going to throw in a promo for WrestleMania. So I almost give him props for not throwing that shameless plug in because that would have been so predictable. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, like I thought it was fun what, what he did. I was like, oh, that's fun. Because I was wondering, I was like, why is The Rock there? Uh, it didn't even dawn on me about it being about WrestleMania being at SoFi next year because uh, it's at Dallas. It's in Dallas. It's in the Jerry Dome this year, as far as I know. And... um so I was like, but he goes out and he, you know, does the intro and everything. And I'm like, oh, that was fun. And then I go on Twitter and it's like, why is The Rock here? Why is he doing this? Let's just play the game. Like, okay, everyone calm down. It's it's the Super Bowl, so they're going to do things like this, you know. If anything, let's, yeah. let's cut down on the uh, solo album the singer's trying to cut during the National Anthem. How about we tighten oh that up a little God. bit? So, you know, how about we trim that one down, you know, and give The Rock 30 seconds? I mean, what's the big deal? So, uh, you know. You had the over-under-betters on uh, (laughs) on the National Anthem. Just uh, they're they're sweating it out. And then, I mean, the under-betters are absolutely sweating it. And then when she took it to that next level, oh, man. I'm sure there are a lot of people, uh, you know, we're, we're pissed, but that's what you get for betting on the national anthem. Yeah, well, I mean, I it's, it's, it's always funny when, when these, you know, these Grammy nominated Grammy award winning 
artist try to win a Grammy in the Super Bowl. It's like, all right, we get it. <laughs> we all know the song. We're all here. We, we, we're, we can't kick off until you shut up. So let's wrap it up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, let's get a singer who's not a football fan and doesn't care that 80,000 people are sweating bullets waiting for the game to start. You know, not to mention the 100 million people watching at home as well. Let's drag this thing out as long as possible. So that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we get the, we get the game started. I'm going to play my knee jerk reaction uh, for you. We'll, we'll, so I give you my take on how the first quarter went and uh, we'll see how you feel about it. All right. Sounds great. All right, here we go. <laughs> knee jerk reaction. First quarter Rams and Bengals at the Super Bowl, And it's a pretty steady game. Pretty quiet. Uh, so far. Uh, they traded punts to start off the uh, – well, actually, they didn't trade punts. The Rams punted. They got the ball first, and the Bengals were at midfield on fourth and two. They went for it and, and couldn't get it. Uh, the Rams took advantage of that to drive in for the first touchdown of the ball game. Stafford hits OBJ uh, in the end zone uh, to take the uh, early lead. Um, the Bengals have been struggling a little bit. Um, on this last drive, actually, before the end of the quarter, uh, they started to do more two tight ends, started running the football a little bit better. That opened things up for Burrow to find Jamar Chase down the sideline for a huge gain, like 45 yards or something like that. Jamar Chase made an amazing catch. He was under coverage by uh, Jalen Ramsey and was able to get him inside the uh, inside the red zone. And um, But the defense for the Rams cinched up and forced an Evan McPherson field goal. So the Rams have the football now. I believe it's second and long uh, for them. They're up 7-3. to three. Let's see where things go from here. Oh, before I go, um, am I the only one who, who actually liked The Rock's introduction to the game? It's like looking on Twitter, all I saw was, was people hating on it. I don't, I don't understand. I thought, it was, I thought it was cool as hell. And uh, also, from a personal note, um, favorite commercial of the first quarter, the Moon Knight trailer for the new Marvel series on Disney+. Plus. That, that looks good, man. I can't wait to see that. All right. So there's your first quarter. Um, first things first, what did you think of the Moon Knight trailer? Oh, man. I mean, that suit just looks so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> also, that, that shot of him with his, uh, with his cape in the, in the crescent moon. Thing. that was badass. Yes. that was so awesome Obvious. so awesome so yeah we're both a bunch of marvel nerds but anyway um <laughs> so what did you think of my assessment of the quarter well i mean i think you you broke it down i mean you know i think the the odell beckham jr catch yeah i mean that that play i mean first off that was huge for so many reasons odell was labeled this four catch 28 yard guy for years because that's all he did with the Giants in the playoffs. He had the boat, you know, whatever, the, the, the boat picture yeah. with his teammates and how that team has not been the same since. Like, he had all sorts of hate for that. And so, to get that monkey off his back early on in the postseason, but then to catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl, especially when his buddy Drake bet on him to do that, that is, uh, that's definitely something. But the way it happened, you know, mm-hmm. Stafford with a beautiful throw um, to him. 
And, I mean, Mike Hilton is, is the best nickel in football. And he did – he actually had pretty good coverage on him. I just think OBJ just had – you know, he did an incredible job making that catch. And well, I mean, he that. did what he's supposed to do. I mean, he, he got his hands between Odell's arms, which puts him in a great – um, great spot to knock the ball, like to rip his, to rip the ball out of his hands, and OBJ just yeah. held on to the ball. He made a great catch. Absolutely, and you know it looks like in the first quarter, you know the Rams were uh, looks like they might run Cincinnati out of the building at, at one point. I mean, yeah. you know that was the, the weird thing. Um, you know, I'm not really weird because I did say on a live stream right before the game. That I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams did that. Um, but, you know, with the McPherson field goal towards the end of the first, get them on the board, that was very important mm-hmm. for the Bengals. Just, you know, because we've seen it before. I mean, Rams-Patriots game three years ago or whatever, I mean, that was 0-0 for a while. You know, it, yeah. it, it was a big deal to get points on the board. And, when you know, when you see points on the board and not just a zero, it, it kind of gives you, you know, that feeling, okay, we, we, we can get out of this. You know, it's, it's it's seven to three. This is where we want to be. You know, in the Super Bowl. I mean, I at least I would say so. You know, because that first that first drive, you know, the, they hold a uh, the Rams to a punt, and, and that was the thing. They get a sack on Stafford, and you know, I mean, they kicked off first. You know, heads won. I was surprised. That's what tails would win, but heads won. Rams were ten and zero when winning the coin toss. So they lost the coin toss. They get the ball first. They punted away on that. And then I was surprised, but not really surprised to see Cincinnati go for it. I suspected that they would. And when they did, I really felt like the Rams were going to stop them. And Ernest Jones, the rookie, made a hell of a play, you know, breaking up that connection to Jamar Chase. And then the touchdown, of course, like you said, with, you know, Beckham and, um, you know, then the, the next drive. And this is where the momentum kind of builds because you get, you know, the Bengals to punt on the next drive. But then, of course, the Rams would punt on that next drive and they take a field goal. Then going into the second quarter, the Rams would score a touchdown uh, with the, the Cooper Cup catch. And then the weird bobbled snap, the rare snap that, I mean, Johnny Hecker, I don't think it's ever had anything like that happen. when He's like one of the best holders in the league. Yeah, that was, that was in the second quarter, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, it was um, it was a it was kind of a slow start to the to the game. I mean, obviously the fireworks with Beckham and, and the touchdown, and then you had the big play for for Jamar Chase, and and just to go back to that that fourth down play, I thought Burrow threw the ball to the wrong person because I think he. I mean, that's it was an obvious choice for him to go for uh, Jamar Chase. I think that's why you know, the Rams were able to make such a good play on it because who else is he throwing the ball to in that situation? But if you go back and you look at the play, there's a guy on the sideline wide open um, that Burrow did not throw the ball. I mean, I think it would have been a tougher throw, but he was open and it would have been the first down as opposed to trying to get it to the guy everybody knows it's going to. Well, and and yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And also, this is a game where I do feel like Zach Taylor not having the experience, the mm-hmm. game got too big for him because Joe Mixon ran 15 times for 72 yards, yeah. 4.8 yards per carry. 
I just don't know why they didn't give it to him. And like, uh, you know, they had multiple fourth down conversion attempts, and they didn't give it to him once. Right. That was surprising. Boy, does that sound familiar, Bear fans? We, our last <laughs> game of the season, we played the Vikings. We had four, at least three, and could have been as many as four, fourth and one situations. David Montgomery wasn't on the field for three of them, and on the fourth one, we that. threw the ball. Yeah. Well, that's why Nagy that. doesn't have a job. That's why Nagy's fired because oh, yeah. he had one of the toughest, you know, hardest to tackle running backs in the league, and on fourth and one, he's pulling him off the field to try to get fancy and be the smartest guy in the room. So that's why Nagy's yep. watching football this year and probably won't be coaching it. So, um, yeah. So that's a little that's a that's a little bit of a like, boy, we've been there, haven't we, Bear fans? That uh, <laughs> you know, the guy that's killing it on the ground is the guy on the sideline watching in these critical situations. So uh, yeah, yeah, seems like, genius. Yeah, so yeah, it's always fun to think you're the smartest guy in the room, and then but also makes you look like the biggest idiot when you get it wrong. So, uh, Oh yeah. So we're, we're already getting into it. Let's talk about the second quarter. Here's the, uh, knee jerk reaction. (laughs) Knee jerk reaction. Second quarter, Super Bowl 56 Rams and Bengals. And, um, the, the Rams had the football to start the quarter and they ended up finishing that drive with a touchdown. Um, I don't know how it is, that a guy like Cooper Cup keeps finding himself open, but he was wide open uh, on the crossing route in the back of the end zone. Uh, Stafford makes the uh, throw. The bank, or excuse me, the Rams are up thirteen to three. And my immediate thought was, Bengals got to score a touchdown here. They cannot let this thing get away from them like they did with Kansas City. The you know the like I said in the keys to the game, the the defense for the Rams is too good. For them to spot them a three-score lead uh, like that, so uh, sure enough, the Bengals did answer. They drove it right down the field, mixing the pass and the run, uh, which is poetic considering that the touchdown play was a running back throwing a pass. So it started out as a run, ended up as a pass. Joe Mixon to Tyler Boyd for the touchdown. It's thirteen to ten. Oh, and it was thirteen because. The Rams muffed the extra point. Johnny Hecker, the uh, placeholder, dropped the ball when he was uh, putting it down for it to be kicked. So, And then on the, the last drive for the Rams, two bad things happened. Number one, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who was having an outstanding game thus far, non-contact knee injury just goes down, coming across on a crossing route. His knee buckles. He drops the football because of, of how it feels. He goes down. Um, right now he's questionable, not ruled out just yet, but he hasn't been back uh, since the injury happened. And then that play, or excuse me, that drive was uh, ended when Stafford tried to hit Van Jefferson in the end zone. It was picked off by Jesse Bates. And after that, the Rams and uh, the Bengals and Rams traded punts to close out the half. So it's 13 to 10 right now. And it's not really it's hard to say who has the momentum here you know it's like the the, there was some fireworks at the beginning of the quarter but it quieted down uh, as the second quarter uh, went along and um, we'll see how it goes the Bengals start with the football only down three so uh, we'll see if they can uh, you know move it along and and get themselves in the lead to start off the second half (laughs) it's almost like I had a crystal ball 
uh, on that one. But, um, you know, the the second quarter was that, that one drive there towards the end of the quarter with the Rams, uh, A, losing Beckham, and then um, it, it almost felt like Stafford forced that throw to Van Jefferson, uh, that the one that got uh, picked off, but it was just it was overall just a bad drive. You, you have the turnover and then you lose OBJ for the game when a lot of people thought he was on track to be the MVP instead of Cooper Cup. I mean, he, I think he really was, Yeah, you know, so I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it, that drive was really unfortunate because, you know, they got a nice 13 yarder from Van on that drive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they actually had one of the only good runs from Cam Akers, uh, one of two, uh, the first one being the one that we're talking about right now, the six yard run on this drive, the second one towards the end of the game. But, um, you know, they, they have that, they have the 13 yarder from Van, and not long after that on a second down. You know, Odell ends up tearing his ACL, and I mean, I'm like the biggest Odell fan, so that totally broke my heart. Yeah. Uh, you know what he's been through. He's now torn his ACL. It's like the two times over the last 14 months or something. I mean, it's like ridiculous. Um, and then Stafford, you know, gets a, a beautiful strike over to uh, Bryson Hopkins to had only caught one pass for nine yards in his career in the regular season. <laughs> and uh, he stepped up big time in this game. That 16-yard yeah, was the uh, the first of it because uh, there, there was a penalty on Kendall Blanton shortly after that. That was like the only time I remember seeing Kendall Blanton after he had such a game against the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. He got hurt early on and really wasn't a factor, and that was really unfortunate. But then, you know, yeah, I mean, it's complete pass by Stafford. You run it for whatever reason on second and 15. And then, it, you know, brought up a, a third and long. And, you know, I see what Stafford's doing. Totally get it. Um, he's putting it up there. Mm-hmm. If that's Super Cup, that might have even been a touchdown. Sure. Definitely wouldn't have been picked. Van has to do a better job of coming back to the ball and making a play. Because Stafford wasn't throwing it thinking, like, that was the thing on, on you know, the national scene, everyone was saying he underthrew it. He threw it like up. Like it was just like a jump ball. Yeah. You know? And like Van needs to be in better position. And, and that was the thing. And so, you know, I agree with you with the momentum comment because yeah. I couldn't really tell who had the momentum. I felt as though, even though it ended up as a stalemate, really, out of, after that, they didn't do anything about the interception because the defense did so well. Right. Um, holding the Bengals to a total of uh, like six total yards uh, after that. You know, I feel like for me, you know, being up 13 10, mm-hmm. you felt like, okay, like the Rams are, they have the momentum as it stands now. Sure. But as soon as the third starts, Cincinnati's going to get the ball back. Right. I mean, and that was, uh, you know, that was what was what was interesting, and and, I, and thinking about it, because I watched the condensed version of the game again uh, today, and thinking about that play um, where Bates, you know, picked it off, I I think you're right. I think that um, that uh, Jefferson just played the ball wrong. You know, I do think that that Stafford was trying to give him a shot. Is he? He's he's a smaller receiver, isn't he? He's not necessarily a jump ball kind of guy, is he? He's six two, is but he? I okay. mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, he, you know, they've had issues with that all year, you know, okay. and I think that's a, a lot of that was because, you know, like Stafford with his 17 interceptions in the regular season, 
you know, God forbid you ever explain it to anybody and they'll just, you know, no, 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 that can't be. Stafford throws interceptions and it's all his fault. Well, in reality, you know, he's a guy that used to throw it up to Kenny Galladay, give him, give him an opportunity to play the ball. Right. You know, he used to throw it up to a Marvin Jones, like Calvin Johnson. You know, even Danny Amendola would go up and play the ball like he was six foot four and bulletproof. But, um, you know, with the Rams, Cooper Cup does that. Robert Woods does that. Odell does that. No one else has really done that. Like, Van has not. You saw Van against the Bears. Van runs past you. You know, Van needs to get better at, at making those 50-50 ball, you know, catches. And, and I think that's the thing that comes next in his development. But, it's you know, Skoranek has a hard time catching anything right now. And, you know, it's it, the, the Sean Jackson when he was there. You know, he... He had plays where he threw it up for Jackson, and Jackson didn't even try to make a play on it. You know, and I think that's that's a thing. So I didn't mind him throwing that because when people say arm punt, they really mean it. I mean, that that was a touchback, and it's not like Jesse Bates is going to be able to run out of the end zone. Even if he did, he wasn't getting the twenty. So you know, I'm totally fine with it. I, I, you know, he's basically saying arm punt. If you catch it, great. Yeah, got a touchdown. If not. Well, we're going to get 20. Yeah, it was third and 15. So, yeah, that makes sense that, uh, you know, why the hell why the hell not? Let's give my guy a chance out there, and he just made a bad play uh, on the ball. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, but, you know, but like I mentioned, and, and like you agree that, um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to put a thumb on who had the momentum, like who goes into the half feeling, feeling better than the other team kind of thing. I mean, obviously the Rams have the lead. They were able to turn away that turnover opportunity, make, make it like it never happened by making the Bengals essentially go three and out uh, on that one. So they were able to dodge uh, that bullet. But when we get into the second half, um, you can I, honestly, you know, um, Stafford threw two picks in this game and neither one of them were really his fault. Uh, when you, when you really break it down and look at the, uh, at the, at the way the, the, the picks happen. But we'll play the third quarter knee-jerk reaction. This is where all where basically, you know, after the halftime show, which I thought was fun. You know, I wasn't, you know, I'm not praising it like everyone best of all time. is like, no, <laughs> Prince still you gets know. that one as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, we had the early fireworks and then things settled down after that. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bengals, Rams, Super Bowl 56, and... This quarter started off with a bang, quite literally, after the uh, after the Bengals uh, received the opening kick on the very first play from scrimmage. Joe Burrow hits uh, uh, Tyler what was Boyd was it Boyd? I think it was Boyd um, for a touchdown. Boyd got away with murder, or was it Higgins? One of the two uh, got away with murder. Grabbed the face mask of Jalen Ramsey, making him fall down. So he went in untouched. For the, uh, for the touchdown. And then on the very first play from scrimmage for the Rams, the guy that's in for, um, for Beckham, uh, he's got a very complicated name, like Squirek or something like that. Uh, Stafford's looking for him, hits him across the middle. He bobbles it right into the hands of Wouzier for the Bengals. So as Al Michaels said, two plays in 22 seconds, the Bengals had a touchdown and an interception. But they couldn't do anything with it and only got a field goal out of it to make it 22-13. 
So, uh, so it's like, but bang, bang, just like that, inside of a couple of minutes, the Bengals started down 13-10. We're now up 20-13. Um, the Bengals' defense has been outstanding, especially here in this, in this third quarter. The Rams have really been trying to get the running game going and coming away with practically nothing on these uh, on these runs. So they were able to get a field goal out of it. But here we go. Headed into the fourth quarter. The Rams have the football. It's 20-16 to 16 for the Bengals. Can they pull this off and get the Lombardi Trophy? It's always fun when your spicy chicken wings are giving you indigestion while you're trying to talk. It's always a good time. Uh, always fun when uh, been there, done that. Yeah, that's when you know Drun's trying to fight back. That you know, always stay away from the spicy Korean at uh, when you're trying to do knee jerk reactions, kids. But. <laughs> Um, you know the the like I said right right off the bat the 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 the, the throw to Higgins because uh, uh, co- according to my knee jerk reactions Tyler Boyd scored both touchdowns and and Higgins didn't do a damn thing uh, it was actually the other way around I got their numbers mixed up so um, but you know everybody knows what Higgins got away with uh, on that play and and looking at it again in real time uh, in the when I watched the condensed version of the game again today. I can see how he did get away with it because it wasn't as blatant, obviously, as it appears in slow motion uh, and everything. So I can see how the refs missed it. But man, if they, if they somebody should have caught that, the, what he did was blatant, and uh, you know, but he got away with it. He scored the touchdown. The Bengals to steal the momentum early on in the third quarter. Yeah, um, I had choice words for him let me I'm tell sure you, you did. <laughs> uh, I uh you know it's one of those things where I've seen everything when it comes to receivers corners whatever but I I, I had never seen that before yeah and to me like I I would go as far to say and and I feel bad almost saying this but not really that I lost respect for Higgins as a player doing that because I, I who does that like he grabbed the guy by the face mask and threw him down and a big reason face mask is even a call is for player safety. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, that moment, like you're running full sprint and you do that. I mean, I, I think Jalen Ramsey might've had a pick, honestly. Hmm. I mean, you know, I, I think that might've been, it was not a great ball. It was just, he grabbed the face mask. I mean, I mean, he was stride for stride in his hip pocket, yeah. you know? I, I feel like Jalen played that well, and then that happened. But, but yeah, to miss that call, I mean, I thought the referees were pretty good. Uh, but to miss that call was just really bad. And, and here's the problem is that, you know, it, it's like it's not reviewable. And, yeah. and then, you know, you get you, you open up a whole other can of worms if you're like, well, let's start reviewing flags. Because then it's like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want more flags. We want less flags. Right. You know, <laughs> and so that's the thing. Like, I like letting them play until it gets egregious, right? But like to me, that should be called. That's egregious. You know, well, that's it, you know, where that's where the sky judge thing comes in. Like, people have been talking about this uh, for years. You actually saw the XFL do it pretty well uh, in their short yeah. term when they came back a couple years ago. Was basically having that seventh official or whatever in the booth. Um, letting them know, like, maybe, hey, you guys missed this or you did that or whatever, to somebody to be able to correct a mistake. 
like that. Like, oh, you, you know, Higgins got the face mask on that one. That's uh, well, I mean, would that would that be offensive pass interference or would that be would they be would that be a fifteen yard face mask penalty? Which one do you That's think a that great would be? Question. You know, because obviously question. the ball was in the air and all that kind of stuff. Would it be offensive pass interference or would that have been? Would it be um, two fouls on the play? Could it be two fouls? On I the don't play? know. That's a good question. I mean, I wonder how that would have broken down if there had been like a sky judge in place to to correct that to correct that call uh, and everything. Yeah, because I mean, it is a personal foul, but at the same time, it's also it's interfering with the pass. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it interfered with Ramsey's ability to catch the ball. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it probably would have gone to the one that was heavier. I think an offensive pass interference is only 10 yards. And obviously the uh, face mask would have been 15. So, I think maybe it would have been a 15 and a personal foul against uh, yeah. Higgins on that one. But uh, I, I, I think so as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's like if that wasn't enough, then you come back and on the first play for the Rams, Skiranic? Skiranic? Yeah, Skoranek, he just uh, yeah, he was just... not ready for the moment. I got to give him a lot of credit for even being in this position. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started off the season dislocating his elbow. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and he came back and, I mean, he, he had all sorts of issues. And, and just the fact that he learned the playbook and then was thrusted in this. He wasn't supposed to play. He's a seventh-round pick on another game that was used predominantly as a end zone type of guy you know like a red zone threat goal line guy uh could go up in high points of football you know and a special teamer at that he's been a great special teamer but man has he dropped some big big passes including the one that i mean the i think the biggest one was against the 49ers when he had he was wide open deep down the seam you know stafford in typical stafford fashion puts it right where it needs to be and not afraid to throw to anybody as long as they were wearing his uniform. Right. And, uh, you know, it just uh, it bugs me. You want to see the guy do well, but, I mean, man, he, he was not ready for the moment. And you could tell that flipping that up the way he did. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 I mean Stafford, he threw two picks, and you could argue both of them were the receiver's fault for not mm-hmm. trying to make it. Well, you know, Skoranek dropped it and then, like, lifted it up in the air yeah. to the pick. Yeah, that was the thing. In, in his panic... <laughs> He smacks the ball up in the air so that Awuzie uh, can make a play on it, and sure enough, he he makes the play, and the Bengals, uh, you know, are building on the momentum that they basically stole uh, on the play before with Higgins and the face mask and uh, and everything is uh, you know with the uh, with the touchdown. So, um, but I think this is where the Rams kind of won the game, in my opinion, that they turned that away and settled for the uh, settled for the field goal to make it twenty to. 13 as opposed to letting them go back in and make it a you know two touchdowns bang bang like that and uh that would have been tough to come back from it would have been absolutely tough to come back from um they went for on fourth down this was their only fourth down conversion that they had in the Mm -hmm. game because they went one of three uh and then burrow scrambled up the middle and i was annoyed i was like i don't know how you allowed that but you know it didn't really matter at the end of the day because you know they they were able to make the stop and and obviously they made the uh, the place they had to make on fourth down before that. But no, it, it was uh, you know credit to uh, the the defense. You know, back against the wall, starting at their own thirty one. You know, it's uh, it's not great. You know, and, and this is where when you talk about the DVOA, 
Um, this is where those analytics had to favor this Rams team because, you know, this Rams team has been put into bad positions this year due to just ridiculous plays, whether it be a pick or a fumble or something, you know, and then all of a sudden now the defense has to, you know, it happened against Tampa. I mean, think about that. How many times did they put this defense in a rough position mm-hmm. to give up? What did they give up? Like 27 in that game or whatever? I mean, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, it's not really the defense fault, but now all of a sudden it's like if you don't stop them, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. So the hold no field goal was definitely nice to do. And I believe they sacked Burrow three times on this drive, at least twice. They might have sacked him three. Um, on that drive to set up the field goal. So, you know, it was like an eight-play drive. goes for a little bit over 10 yards. It, it definitely uh, a big, like you said, it, this was this was a drive in which the Bengals could have gone down, made it 24 to 13, and really applied some pressure. And instead, holding the, them to the field goal, now you feel like, well, you're just one score away from tying it up. Right. Because that's a different uh, that's a different page in the playbook when you're down two scores early on in, yeah. in the second half like that. I exactly. mean, it, it it definitely makes the uh, the their difficulty running more of a burden uh, on the offense when you're down two scores like that and you can't run the football. I mean, you got all the time in the world. The the one good thing about the Bengals bang bang like that is that we're probably less than three minutes in to the second half, so we've got. You know, uh, you know, the whole fourth quarter and three quarters left of this one to come back from this. So there's plenty of time for us to do this. It's just that, you know, it's two scores instead of just one. It's it's a it's a much heavier task, uh, you know, to to go up against and and forcing the field goal and and making it a one score game was uh, was quite the accomplishment for the defense, especially with their heels, uh, you know, the backs against the wall there. Yeah, exactly. And then you know to come back from that for the offense and to put up three points, I mean, you know, you really felt like they were going to put some points on the board after that and respond in some way. But it's because of Stafford. Like, none of the receivers except for Cup really made you feel comfortable. Um, As much as I love Van Jefferson, he wasn't ready for the moment for whatever reason. Uh, Would have expected him to be, but he just wasn't. And then, you know, you look at... um, Obviously, Skoranek, who, of course, typical Stafford fashion goes right back to Skoranek because this, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you drop a pass or anything. He's going to continue to rely on you if you are on his team. And so, yeah. you know, that's the thing I like. I mean, you know, he started off the game. His first six passes were six different receivers. That That is Stafford in a nutshell. So, you know, this drive, I mean, they tried to run the ball again, not going anywhere. I thought B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader did a tremendous job against the run. Uh, as well as some others, uh, definitely putting Logan Wilson in there and, and Pratt. But, um, you know, uh, Stafford had the incomplete pass to Cup, and then, you know, he hit Daryl Henderson, who finally came in the game. You talk about a player like, you know, Monty, who mm-hmm. you put in the game on fourth down. That's who you want carrying the ball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to me, Daryl Henderson it was that guy in this game, and he did not get the ball enough. He's coming off an injury, I get it, but. He was clearly the best back in this game, and it was not relatively close. He didn't run the ball much. He only ran two times for, I believe, four yards. But what he did in the receiving game that was so impressive and and the pass protection game where he really gave 
you know, Stafford time, whereas Cam Akers, the only thing that I remember him blocking is Andrew Whitworth that led to the sack. So, yeah. you know, um, that was the thing. So the, the Henderson catch was huge for them. It kept the drive going on a third and eight. And then, you know, they tried to run it with Henderson and he got stuffed. And then uh, they were able to get cut back involved because really, you know, Cincinnati lost out in this game because they came in. They were just like, we're just going to take Cup out of the game and let everyone else try to beat us. Mm-hmm. And it worked out well for them because Odell gets hurt. And all of a sudden, that plan is actually the right plan. Right. But before Odell got hurt, they had no prayer because they had no chance of stopping Odell. They could. They had no answer for him. So... That's the thing here is now the Rams have to run that same type of style offense. The game plan's the same, but with different guys. That's when Bryson Hopkins' 16-yard catch, once again, you know, really is huge. That puts them at the Cincinnati 28. Um, And then you had Skoranek coming down with the catch. Then, for whatever reason, on second and three, they decide to run it with Akers. They take out Henderson. They put in Akers, and he, and he loses two. You can't run the ball in this game. Give it up. There's no point. I mean, really, make them, make them stop you, you know, and that, that's the thing. So then third and five, they completely pass the cup, and they sell for a Matt Gay 41-yard field goal. And that, to me, that is a still a win for the Rams. Yeah. Because while Cincinnati did get the stop, you know, that was a four-minute drive on Penn Plate. So it's not like they took a ton of time off the clock in doing that. Yeah, and then we move into the fourth quarter, and like I said, the the Bengals are up four. Can they hang on? You know, can they can they pull this off? And as we'll hear in the knee jerk reaction, the the answer was a resounding no. And I would just like to make one correction because I was listening to it earlier today. I say fifteen minute drive. I mean fifteen play drive. I'm so sick of listening <laughs> to my mistakes. But uh, here we go. Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bengals-Rams, Super Bowl 56. And, you know, it was kind of an uneventful quarter until we got to the final moments, the final minutes of the game. The Rams get the ball with about six and a half, seven minutes to go and then proceed to go on a 15-minute drive that eats up all but a minute 30 or something like that of the clock. Um, they score a touchdown with Cooper Cup and take the lead 23 to 20. The Rams get the, excuse me, the Bengals got the ball back with like a minute 25 and two timeouts. Got the ball to midfield. They only needed like another first down to get within, you know, like the edge of McPherson's field goal range on a third and short run. Aaron Donald makes the stop, makes sure that the running back doesn't fall forward for the first down. And then on fourth down, he pressures Joe Burrow into making a throw he wasn't ready for. It falls short. Rams win 23-20. to And um, there you have it. The team that I thought would go all the way and win it all, they did. Uh, they beat a Cinderella team in the Bengals who throughout the postseason was fighting and scratching and clawing no matter what and they just came up short uh in this one so it was a great game i enjoyed it very much it was a fitting end to an outstanding postseason and now we close the book on the year and get ready for the future 
in 2022 for our beloved Chicago Bears. It is a Bears show after all. So this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by ColorCast. Guys, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform free to download and to use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, and it's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS uh, app store, create a profile, and link your Twitter and join a group. Follow me at BTU Larry to be I, to be notified when my room goes live, and we'll be going live on ColorCast every Friday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come and join the spiciest takes. Come find the new home for Club 34-7. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink, spelled like Sports Drink but without the vowels, so S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you we're trying not to let out the funk, but, um, you know, it was, uh, like I said, it wasn't, uh, it was kind of a ho-hum quarter with, with the, the two teams going back and forth. And then, like I said, that, that 15 play drive, uh, in the last, what was it? It's like seven minutes or so when they got the football and just driving it down the field. And it was, it was Stafford and cup willing the Rams to victory on that one. I mean, and, and I say that because, who else is he going to throw to in this situation? We know that 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 Stafford is generous with the ball. He'll throw it to, to anybody. But in those moments, he's looking for Cup. The Bengals know he's looking for Cup, and he's getting it to him anyway, which is the reason why, you know, Cup ended up being the MVP. Is like, especially after Beckham went out, who else is the Bengals secondary going to focus on? And he willed his way to, you know, 92 yards on eight catches and two touchdowns, including the game winner anyway. Yeah, I mean, just uh, an incredible performance. And, and, you know, Cooper Cup should have won the MVP. I'll, <laughs> I'll say that right now. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Well, I don't know if I told you if we talked. I feel like we talked about this. We were talking during the, the honors ceremony, so we, we knew that that was, was happening uh, and everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so Cooper Cup should have won MVP. But he won the actual MVP award that you want to win. And... Uh, you know, I'll say this right now. When push came to shove, he's not going to sit there and, and say, you know, he came through and he did this. It's all about, it's a we not me culture with the Rams, mm-hmm. which I love. But man, he totally has a reason to say that because no one was able to help aside, aside from Daryl Henderson and, and Bryson Hopkins. The other receivers really didn't do as much as what Cup did. And I mean, he was just absolutely bodied the whole game. And, and I don't mean like he shut the, he was shut down, but they were being physical, man. They were holding him the whole game because it, it's the Super Bowl. You know, they're they're not going to call it unless it's really bad. Yeah. And so I found it really rich when you had certain fans of a certain team <laughs> complaining, especially after the certain face call was called about a certain hold. Yeah. Where you know, here's the thing. The argument now 
has gone to, well, you let us do it all game. Why can't we still cheat? Like, right. Well, this like, is, you know, that, go ahead. That, to me, that's a losing, that's a losing argument. Right. But regardless, Cup just, he was so tremendous. And, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, the no look pass is, is one of the greatest throws I've seen. Yeah. Especially the, the end, the, the end zone that he was coming towards that shot there where you can literally see his eyes are not <laughs> on cup and he puts a dime throw, uh, on it. So yeah, that was, a, I mean, it's a hell of a throw from the end zone behind him, but the end zone where you can see Stafford's face, that's where it's like, okay, that throw is insane. So, um, you know, cause from behind you can see his head is pointed that way. But his eyes, you know, it was like, oh, well, his eyes are probably trailing uh, Cup. No, not at all. He's not even looking in his direction, and instead he puts it, it hits Cup in stride for a big for a big gain and uh, and everything like that. Is like, yeah, okay, that was uh, that was probably one of the best throws I've ever seen. So, but yeah, speaking of that holding call, that is where I was saying that we're that's where the karma comes in. That's where, you know, the basically the referees make up for the face mask call. Because <laughs> I looked at that, like, during the game, and I looked at it again in the condensed version, and, yeah, he was all over Cup. But I don't see what usually constitutes for a hold on that particular play. But, you know, in those types of situations, the referees are going to be the referees are going to be all because how many flags were in the like the last five or six plays? Because they the the Rams officially ran fifteen plays, but it was like a nineteen play drive with the penalties uh, and everything. Yeah. So because I started to lose count on what play we're at because oh wait there was a penalty so that play didn't count so this is still the twelfth play of the drive or whatever it was like I I had no idea where we were in in the in the in the pantheon until you know. Uh, Michaels is like, this is the 15th play of the drive touchdown Cooper Cup, you know, for real this time because he scored one earlier. There was a flag. That one got called back uh, and everything. So, you know, it really was like a 19, maybe even 20 play drive with all of the with all the flags. And I think, um, you know, I was like, I didn't like the call, um, especially in those moments. You hate for penalties to to kind of turn things, but it was only third down. The Rams would have gone forward on fourth down. Maybe they get it. Uh, and everything like that. So it's not like it gave the Rams the game uh, or anything like that. I just didn't like the the call. But then again, like I said, that's probably the – I mean, not that that's what they were consciously doing, but, you know, karma dictates. They they blew that call. They got to make this one kind of thing. Yeah, and then I think before that, you were talking about the Logan Wilson one, I assume, yeah. on top. Um, because, I, I mean, anybody complaining about Eli Apple, anything he did, he just wasn't good, and he got bodied. So, yeah. um, and, but, and and Twitter has been enjoying it for the last forty eight hours. Oh yeah, I I was definitely going to talk my talk because let, let me tell you, I have no issue with trash talking. I know it's part of the game. Yeah, but you, for the love of God, have to back it up. Yeah, I, I mean, is that what the thing is? Like, what did Eli Apple do to piss off the entire world? Because like everybody seems to enjoy the fact that this guy fell flat on his face on Sunday. Because he just doesn't respect anybody, I see. you know. He uh, he trashed New Orleans like as like a, a town, like he trashed like the oh, fans and everything. Okay, and like you know, I don't really care for the fans. I mean, I I'm tired of them, you know, complaining about the 2018 call right. uh, over and over and over again. Yeah, but I mean, 
it, it, I don't believe that that's the right move is to trash your fan base that supported you, bought tickets, spent their hard-earned cash to watch you play, you know, a game. And he supported you in a sense that you're not where you are without the fans. And, you know, I, I just think there's so much to it, too. Like, you know, he, he was uh, he was liking some stuff, and you know, with his, I think it's his mom or maybe it's his uh, sister. I don't know. But she was like, you know, just being really demeaning uh, toward, towards uh, women reporters that were calling out Eli Apple, mm. if you know what I mean. So sure. it just, uh, you know, really just doesn't seem like just, it, it's just nasty behavior, honestly. And so there were a lot of, he, he had a lot of beef with Tyree Kill and, you know, was saying, I'll show you my Super Bowl ring or whatever he said. And so, but you know, you're, you're just, the thing is, it's like trash talking before you played the game and you know the outcome. That's essentially like betting. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when you bet on, on a game and, and, and you're that, you know, you're that sure of it. Well, it all comes out in the walk. And, and if you lose, like, you lose the money. Like, the house won. But, you know, if, if you win, yeah, you get to talk about it. Right. And it's the same thing with trash talk. It's like, if you win, you get to continue the trash talk. You get to double down. But if you lose, it's going to backfire. Right? Yeah, that's definitely the gamble. So, you put yeah, yourself out so, there, you got to back it up. And if you don't, God help you. Exactly. And, like, Eli Apple, it's not even like, you know, Higgins, I mean, yeah, he had the face max call, but he had two touchdowns, you yeah. know? Like, if Higgins talked trash, he didn't win a Super Bowl, but he played well, mm-hmm. you know? Jermaine Pratt, like, he played well. Logan Wilson played well. Like, the linebackers played well. Defense had some really good, you know, moments in the game. Uh, I mean, if Burrow talked trash, I don't think he played well enough to say anything. Yeah. Um, you know? But, I mean, that's, that's kind of my point, is that, like, it was just really enjoyable to see Eli Apple getting completely roasted because you know I'm not saying that he's a bad dude but it, it's the way you carry yourself yeah. and, and I mean you know it's, he could be the nicest person ever and just you know had a hard time in, with New Orleans and maybe maybe just maybe when he went out to eat you know anytime he went out to eat like he would get heckled by fans and maybe just maybe he has a point but it, you know it's like you can't say that and not expect repercussions. And then when you're saying, I forget exactly what he said to Cup, but like, oh no, he said like Cup who? Like he was like, who is that? Yeah. You know? And we know how that goes. Right. I mean, Donald said, you know, who is like when someone asked him who Debo Samuel was, he didn't know who he was. We all know that that never goes well. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Who do you think, God forbid the Bengals win. Who do you think the MVP is? You know, do you think Higgins, maybe Mixon, because he, you know, he he had seventy-two yards and he threw a touchdown pass in the game. I, mean, it, I don't think it would have been Burrow. I mean, maybe even Wilson on the defensive side. I mean, who well, who do you think wins the MVP if the Bengals win the game? Assuming the Bengals win the game, it might have been Burrow. Really? Because he didn't throw an interception. True. That with not throwing a pick. Yeah. So that that's why Stafford, like to me, I don't know how Stafford doesn't win the MVP. Because his greatest cup was, like Stafford had to still lift up everything after Odell went down. Mm-hmm. And cup was 
like he caught the touchdown, but like he wasn't like consistently dominant throughout the game. I'm totally fine with it. I love Cup, and he just had arguably one of, if not the best season, like a full season, including postseason, for a you know skill position player. Maybe mm-hmm. you know only Terrell Davis really had a better year, but you know I, I think that Stafford only didn't get it because he threw two picks. You know, it was all about that, but. Burrow had a, a like a stat line like Tom Brady, you know, when he played against the Rams, uh, you know, his his first Super Bowl. And he won Super Bowl MVP with 152 yards passing. <laughs> so, I mean, if Burrow had led them down the field, it would have been the recency bias. Yeah, They would have overlooked the two touchdowns from Higgins and probably would have given it to Burrow because, you know, he's the second-year man. But I'll tell you right now, the... Uh, the Super Bowl MVP, I would have said, was Logan Wilson. Mm-hmm. Because of what he did, you know, if the Bengals won, because of what he did in the run game, what yeah. he did in coverage, he was really good. Yeah. I mean, he really, like, he didn't have the big play. You could argue Jesse Bates also was deserving of the interception. You could argue Jermaine Pratt was, you know, deserving. Another linebacker there. Uh, you know, and then on, on top of it, you know, Hubbard and and, you know, Hendrickson. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys on the defense, but, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they would have given it to Burrow, but that is a great question. Yeah. And, and I was a little, I was honestly surprised the recency bias didn't get to them because the last play of the game, basically, yeah, with Donald, was Don. Yeah. Well, hell, know? the last two, because that stop on third and one, I think, was even more important than the stop on, oh, yeah. on fourth and one. You know, for him to, you know, to use his strength to lean back and hold the back over, hold the back from from basically extending the football to get the first down uh, on that play, you know, ends up being the play of the drive. Because then on fourth down, you know, it's 50-50. And, uh, you know, and then Donald just exploits that weakness of the middle of the offensive line and gets after him. They've been doing it all day long kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, I felt like the play on third down where he stops the running back. And, again, it wasn't Mixon. It was Perrine or something like that uh, running the football on that third and one situation. And Donald oh, stops him yeah. cold. And, you know, that's what sets up the fourth down play for, for Donald to close the game uh, out. And I also think Perrine had, was in a spot to make a play on that ball and didn't. I just don't – I mean, I don't know. You, you know. I'm sure when they put him in, you were like, oh, Damian Williams all over again. Or, or yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I'm almost mad because I'm a football fan and I'm like, you really, like, I mean, I'm glad they did it because, you know, Rams fan, but, sure. you know, as a football fan, that is asinine. You know, like, to not put in, like, Joe Mixon was fine. Like, he wasn't hurt. So I, I don't I don't know like I, I hate the idea of trying to get too cute and outsmarting the other team when you're the actual oh, idiot on the field. Tell me about it, man. Tell me about it. I know man, we just, talked about it early I on. Just the sat box. through four years of that, so you know, and it it worked okay in year one, but year two they had him figured out. Year three and four he dug in his heels, thinking that it was the players and not the scheme, and now he's unemployed. So yeah, <laughs> I, I know yeah. all about the, you know somebody trying to be the smartest guy in the room, um, a guy who had no sense for sticking with the hot guy, you know, because he did that with Montgomery all the time. He comes out like, well, I mean, look at week one against the Rams. 
two yeah. carries. He's got like 60 yards rushing, and then he's on the sidelines. What are you doing? Yeah, I, just, I don't get that. What are you doing? It's like, leave him out there. What are you doing? Why is Damien Williams in the game right now? He just ran for 60 yards on two plays. So unless he's out of shape and winded, he should be on the field running the football right now. And that was yeah, week uh, one, and we sat through that nonsense all season long. You know, he would just take him out, and it, it always felt like it was preventative, like he was going to put a stop to it before the defense could. You know, like yeah. he wasn't going to keep doing it until the defense stopped him, daring him to stop, be stopped. No, 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 no. We're gonna, I'm going to outsmart you. I'm going to stop doing it before you get a chance to figure it out and bring it back later. It's like, And it never worked. Never worked. I mean, as great as Sean McVay is, I think he's guilty of it, too. I mean, I think every coach, whatever reason, gets in their fields and like, oh, well, let's try to do something new just for the sake of doing something new. Not right. really if it's going to work or not, just, yeah, I want to try something new. Because, it, I mean, think about it. Like, if you're sitting there, you're playing Madden, and you're like, oh, I want to run this new play. You know, because if I, if I don't get it, it's a video game. It's not like <laughs> I'm going to die. You know? Right. So, it's like, yeah, I, I never run this. Let's try this Philly special. Oh wait, the Rams actually tried that in the actual. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. uh, I'm sad because I mean, I'll say this: everything happens for a reason, and it definitely convinced me on that play because if Stafford catches that, he's about to die. Like I, I don't, I, I, everyone thinks that he gets the first, and, and he probably does, but not without getting absolutely creamed by Jeffy uh, <laughs> Bates. Yeah, I mean that was that was not. I mean, I like the play, you know, because it, it looks flashy and cool. But you like you run that the goal line. You're not going to have Stafford get punished like that, you know, to get the first down. But you're also not going to get Stafford so wide open that he's just running down the sidelines alone for a 50-yard touchdown on that play either, you know. So you're yeah. right. This is something you, you pull out from, you know, like five yards in. That's where you run that play. Not from the 50-yard exactly. line thinking that, you know, Stafford's just going to run it straight down the sidelines and outrun the entire defense. It's not going to happen that way. That would be a Super Bowl way. moment. Absolutely. That would be a Super Bowl moment for the ages. I mean, that, like, that would have been awesome because Philadelphia fans would have lost their mind. They would have been like, are you kidding me? They won up to us? Like, right. Because think about it. What's better than, uh, you know, a Philly special at the goal line than a 50-yard Philly special to a quarterback? <laughs> Who's not even like a speedster, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And then uh, another play that they ran, which is this was ballsy. And I don't think people are talking about it enough. The Cooper Cup run. Off, but the, the fourth down yeah. end around up is just the, the most ballsy play call I've seen all year. Yeah, it was, uh, that was definitely, uh, definitely one, uh, you know, that's one I didn't see coming was doing nope. like the jet sweep to to Cooper Cup uh like that and uh, I mean it especially with the way that that Cincinnati had been defending the run uh especially in the second half they seemed to be a lot more suffocating in the third and fourth quarter on the run than they were uh in the first half um and it just like boy that's that is a gutsy call man that is a gutsy yeah. call to to go to a to run the ball at all and then to have it have your receiver run the ball like that and, and go out there and, and uh, I mean, he made a good cut. I mean, that was, that's where he got the first down was when he made the cut he stepped inside and, and got the uh, first down, but you're right. Just to make the call period was quite a ballsy that move. Just crazy. You know, yeah. at his own 30 yard line, you have three timeouts. I totally would have understood them punting it. 
but to go for it there the way they did, that was, uh, I think that's really what, what separated McVay, um, because he learned from his mistakes from that Super Bowl against Belichick and, you know, didn't get too conservative, didn't get too aggressive. I thought there was a, I mean, that was a very aggressive call, but, you know, when you really balance it out, I mean, it wasn't like he was going for a fourth down every time. There were, there were other fourth downs he could have gone for, you know, and so I look at that play and I'm thinking, I love me some Van Jefferson, but there's no way he gets that because Cup is just, he's a different animal with the ball in his hand. Like he, he makes those subtle adjustments and, and those cuts and, and, you know, he knows how to break tackles and, you know, he, that's why he leads the league over the last however many years and, you know, yards after the catch. I mean, he just, he makes a man miss and he did it early on in the game. I mean, to start off the game, you know, so I, I felt like that was just absolutely massive. And, you know, that was a call where, you know, they were trying to justify it, um, you know, on the broadcast. I think Chris Collinsworth was like, you know, maybe McVay really trusts his defense that much. That was not, hey, our defense will stop them, no worries. That was, I believe we're going to get this. Yeah. And, and they did. So that that was huge because that's 20 to 16. You had plenty of time, three timeouts, punted away, maybe get the ball back. But, you know, that was that was huge. I'm glad they did it because, how many times have we seen it? You know, it goes perfect, and then third down, you've already used two timeouts. Or you say you've used three already, and uh, and then they get that one big play that just ends the game. Right. You know, that, and that's the thing. You know, you, you didn't want to put yourself in that position. Uh, if I was Sean McVay, I would have gone for it on fourth down. Um, I don't know if I would have called that. <laughs> that was uh, was a little much, but. But yeah, I definitely think it, it was the right move. It's just I was surprised that he did it because just because I would do it. I mean, I'd go for it on fourth down almost always. But you know, just because I would do it doesn't mean that I would expect you know an NFL coach to do it. Right. I, I was thinking that with them going for it on fourth down, they would have taken the play out of Cincinnati's book and spread them out. You know, five wide. You know, to spread the defense all the way out, and then you know, if he sees a ray of sunshine, run for the first down kind of thing like if yeah. we're going to run the ball that's the running play I'm thinking of not we're just going to you know load up two tight ends and we're going to have Cooper Cup run around the edge it's like what are you nuts like okay yeah that, that that's you know that one's still kind of like holy hell man he actually called that play that's crazy so yeah so the yeah. game the game comes to a close the Rams uh celebrate you know Donald makes the play on on Burrow that forces the bad throw, the the ball falls innocently to the ground, and the Rams are victorious. And then for the second game in a row, you know, Donald makes the the play that ends the game. Essentially, walks off the field pointing to his ring finger, and uh, and then Jake uh, posts a video of a two minute celebration of him and everybody he watched the game with uh, dancing around the living room. Uh, there's a jersey on the Christmas tree, and you know all that kind of stuff going on. It's like <laughs> it's pandemonium in the Ellen Bogan house. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. It was uh, it was really great. Um, you know, I think my favorite moment was just watching my dad just you know celebrate like he was a kid because mm -hmm. uh, you know the last time they won the Super Bowl, he threw me up in the air a lot of times, and <laughs> I was actually at my my uh my grandparents house and uh both of which are now gone and yeah i actually just lost my grandpa in, in january so um you know it was tough you know what we went through and, and what my dad went through and all the stress he's had and so he really needed it 
You know, I, sure. and sports just provides this outlet, and I'm sure, you know, you can attest to it as well. It just provides this emotional outlet. Sometimes it just adds to it. You know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really does. I mean, I watched the, the, the Sosar Rams. I mean, you know, that team with Scott Linehan and, uh, oh, you wow. know, going 1-15 and selecting Sam Brad. I mean, I've seen it. But at the same time, you know, this is what it's all about. You're hoping that someday you stick with the team, no matter if it's Scott Covington under center or Kurt Warner, and, you know, eventually – eventually your team will get to the mountaintop. And, you know, they did it when I was four. I remember it because there's so many of those home videos out there, of, sure. you know, me watching it, but I don't actually remember it, you know? So to actually, uh, to, to truly have this moment, you know, with my best friend there and my family was really cool. Mm. And, uh, you know, on top of it, I mean, let's call it like it is. It also helps my business. Like helps the Rams for a living. So. Sure. You know, it's it's a good thing, and I think it's going to be big because when L.A. lost their team, you know, 20-plus years ago, you know, that was it for a lot of people. They stopped watching football. They felt betrayed by the league, not just the Rams. And so they kind of boycotted football. Um, and I've met a lot of people like that that are now just, you know, reeling themselves back in, um, you know, became Rams fans within the last few years again, you know, whatever. And there are fans that, you know, like other teams, like a lot of those uh, fans that grew up without, you know, a team in L.A., they like the Packers or they like the, the Patriots because they like Brady or, you know, or, you know, whatever. So a lot of that is going to change now, I think, because, you know, when you, you win in L.A., you establish yourself in L.A., you know, whether it's nice to call them in or not, Fairweather fans are going to flock. And... Yeah. What happens is that fair weather fans then become like actual fans. You know, the moment they're fair weather, you know, the moment they're bandwagon. But, you know, like my friend changed his team to the Rams. Like he grew up, uh, he didn't really have a team. His dad was a Falcons fan. And he just decided, you know, the Super Bowl, the Rams, Patriots, you know, he was going to root for whoever won it and the Patriots won, you know, and so. He had been a Patriots fan for a while, and then, you know, he just really, he didn't like that he was a fan of the team that kept winning. I mean, he just kind of felt like it was it was ridiculous that, you know, he had become a fan that, you know, basically is the most hated team, and, you know, really he just picked them as a kid, like, without any sort of really emotional attachment to it. So, you know, he, he tried to, you know, pick a team like, the you know, say, the Giants, and when he realized it, he had been going, my best friend, he'd been going to the bar and, and you know, sports bars weekly, uh, every year, watching the Rams with me and, and my family. And, uh, you know, it kind of came to him, you know, in 2016, 2017-ish, like, he was a Rams fan. And so, you know, he went to the games with us and stuff like that. And so it was cool because that's a term where you could say, was he a bandwagon fan by definition? Maybe, but he had been watching the games with us since like AJ Feely was under center for the Rams. Like, you know, so to finally, you know, make that switch and then, you know, to then see them win the Super Bowl and how happy he was. I mean, him and I had been Stafford fans for years and wanted him traded to the Rams five years ago to see it actually be like the, I told you so moment. It was, it was very cool. And, and honestly, there, there's really been nothing like it. It's the greatest sporting event I've ever seen. And I'm a Kansas Jayhawk fan that watched, 
the team win the Orange Bowl against the Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Hokies. And I've also seen them come back, you know, in the, the Memphis game in the, the championship, uh, you know, to win a national title in uh, college basketball. So I've seen some crazy moments, uh, you know, Yankees, all sorts of stuff. But I will definitely say this is the greatest sporting event I've ever watched, period. Yeah, that there uh, there tends to be a feeling like that, especially when it's your team that wins it. It's when your team wins it the way that they did, um, uh, that tends to carry some weight. Kind of like for me in 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series. Yeah, you know, not only did they win the World Series, but they won one of the most dramatic Game Sevens in the history of the World Series. Uh, you know, they did it to break the curse and all that kind of stuff. It was uh, that was a, for me. I'm not even a baseball fan. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm not a baseball fan. I, um, I'm a football fan. I can watch any two teams on this earth play football. And, you know, but baseball, if it's not the Cubs, I don't care. And even then, it's like, meh, you know, if they're not scoring 28 runs a game, I don't care, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I watched no, every pitch of that postseason where they were going for it. They were the best team in the league all the way through. And then you get to the World Series. They were down three games to one. They come back and push it to a game seven. And for that game to go back and forth uh, the way it did and everything, and they came out on top, it was just like, is this real life? Did I actually just see that? You know, was yeah. it that, did I just witness this? And, you know, for me, that's the best sporting event I've ever seen. Um, you know, because of all the emotional weight that we carried into that one. And for this fantasy, not a dream for this fantasy to come true, to see a Cubs win a world series. Uh, it was pretty, pretty goddamn great. So, Oh, I was, I was pulling so hard for the Cubs. And and I, I mean, I believe, I think Terry Francona was the, the, uh, you know, manager for, um, Cleveland. What is it? Yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. How does it feel to, to to beat a team that no longer exists in the World Series back in 2016? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like they're just gone. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Now they're the Guardians. Right. Like, wait a minute. They weren't the Guardians during the game. How are they the Guardians now? No, yeah. it doesn't matter because they lost. But uh, but yeah, I think it was Francona. And man, I um, being an Yankee fan, that was very easy to root against Francona. <laughs> and um, you know, I just. I was rooting for um, Aroldis you know, Chapman for Aroldis, too, yeah. You know, because I was a big fan of him, um, yeah, he was and a- then he ended up coming back the way he did. But you know, I think people forget about that. You know, the the Yankees traded him to the Cubs, won a World Series, and then he came back. Right. You don't see that very often. And I've and only was- seen it one other time in my lifetime as a sports fan. I think Ricky Henderson did it one year. Like the, he, okay, got, he, got, he went from like Oakland to Toronto, won a world series with the blue Jays and then went back to Oakland or something like that. You know, <laughs> I, I think I've only ever seen Ricky Henderson do it uh, way back in the late eighties, early nineties or something like that. Like he got traded to Toronto cause they needed somebody to steal bases and, and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the postseason, he was a free agent. He went back to Oakland kind of thing. I think that Ricky Henderson did it. I, I don't recall anyone else ever doing it. That way, although there has been some talk this off season about maybe Rizzo might come back to the Cubs, but we'll have to. Yeah, see I saw that. that. I, I'd like him back, but at the same time, I'll be honest with you, you: probably care way more about baseball than I do now, which is really sad. But yeah, I can't. 
I can't subscribe to a, a, a league that's commissioned by Rob Manfred. The dude is a total. Yeah, I mean, if you could put Matt Nagy and turn him into a commissioner, it'd be Rob Manfred. Right. All right. So let's wrap this. Uh, let's wrap this thing up um, real quick. Let's let's talk about these these rumors. Are they making you nervous? Are you sweating at all as a Rams fan about a McVay going into the broadcast booth or B Aaron Donald hanging him up? Uh, no and no, because, uh, I think it's, it's media narrative to sure. keep everyone feeling like, okay, we can compete with this team. When in reality, you know, the best thing that you could hope for is that this team doesn't, you know, run it back because I, I really feel like, you know, they, they bought so much into the super team all in hype that I don't think that they realize the Rams have a plan and, and this team can be the next great dynasty should that plan go the right way and I feel like it all starts with obviously you have your core players but bringing back the guys like Odell and bringing back Vaughn Miller and um, you know getting those guys healthy of course because you know Odell's going to probably miss a, a few games to start next season you have Robert Woods coming back and Jordan Fuller so you know, there's there's actually a lot of guys returning. Everyone says that they have cap issues, but they're second in the league. They have the second most cap that they can acquire via restructure. So they are in a great spot. And, and I think the big thing here is that they can't get complacent. They can't just, quote unquote, run it back like the Bucks did. Yeah, I think they need to look at upgrading the positions they may not feel comfortable with, like Instead of Darius Williams at corner, you know, if you can go out and get Stephon Gilmore and, and play, you know, Gilmore with, with Jalen on an island, I mean, you feel good about that. Sure. And then, you know, the interior offensive line, if you can go out instead of maybe bringing back Brian Allen, you know, for the same money, you get a guy that's a little bit older, but, you know, he has this mean streak and he's a tone setter in Ryan Jensen from yeah. Tampa. You know, to me, that is scary, and I think you know people need to be on notice because it's not like a biased standpoint. Matthew Stafford, statistically speaking, has every argument to back up that right now, since Tom Brady has left the league, and we'll see if he comes back, he is the most clutch quarterback in the NFL right now, period. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. I mean, despite all of the losing that he did in uh... – Detroit, he was also like one of the top fourth quarter comeback quarterbacks in the league. Um, Still the most well. since 2009. Yeah. So, Crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, and you're also, you, you know, you also just had a year where, you know, Von Miller joined the team, Odell Beckham uh, joined the team. These guys were, you know, happy and loving it in LA. I mean, just having them on top of what else you have, the Rams are kind of like, are in a position to be what the Patriots were as a point of like being a destination place. This is some place I want to go if I want to win a championship. And yes, I'll take two million instead of five or whatever to for a chance to play for a world title. You know, so the cap issues might take care of themselves because guys will give you that company discount for a shot at a ring. Yeah, I mean exactly, and I, I think that's that's the thing. You know, when you create an organization like this and a culture. I mean, it took Andrew Whitworth no time at all 
to be like, I want to play for that guy who's never had a coaching. He's never coached a game in his life as a head coach, Sean McVay, age 30. You know, Whitworth left Cincinnati. And actually, I didn't realize why that was so personal. Him. Obviously, I knew he, he had played there, but they basically told him they had no interest in bringing him back. Yeah. It was worded in a way where, like, the media made it out to be like he left Cincinnati because they had a mutual. No, no, he wanted to come back and they, they basically did not want him. Made it known. And so he goes to the Rams in 2017 and he plays until 2022, potentially maybe even longer. We'll see. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't go out on that high note, but, right. you know, and it's just like he got the last laugh. But, you know, with the Rams, and what they've built, it just, it, it's Sean McVay. It's, it's the fact that you may hate the owner Stan Kroenke, but he opens up his wallet. He's not afraid to pay players. And, you know, you look at the Raiders, they were afraid to pay Cleo Mack. That's why they trade him. Right. I mean, I think that is a, I, I think that is one of the most irresponsible moves I've ever seen. It's not that, the, the Khalil Mack trade hasn't worked out for them because they got Max Crosby with it. But, you know, it, it's like to do it for the reason they did it to me was super irresponsible. They just mm. didn't want to pay him what he was due. Yeah. And, and you know, at that point, it's like, how can a fan base get behind your organization when you you have a homegrown player that turns into one of the best in the league and you can't afford to pay? So that's the thing. The Rams, they pay guys, you know? Yeah. And sometimes they pay too many guys, but you know, they pay guys. And I think that's, that's the thing where, you know, you have to feel good because you have a guy like say Jason Kelsey, who's in free agency at, at center. I mean, he's, he, he might retire. He might come back, but you know, he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. And if he wants another one, he knows the Rams would be a good opportunity for that. Mm-hmm. You know, Stefan Gilmore won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. You know, he's won defense player of the year award. He might look at the Rams and be like, you know what? I feel like this is the best fit for me, you know, and, and there's a lot of these guys, they might take off one town discount. We already know OBJ will. So it, it's, uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, the guys that care about getting paid, they'll go to the Jacksonville's and the, the, uh, the Houston Texans of the world who may have a lot of cap, but what are you getting out of it? Yeah. You know, and the guys that really care more about winning and want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, They'll go to the Rams. They'll go to, you know, an organization like the Ravens. Or they'll go to, I mean, even the Steelers in that, that conference. And, um, you know, and, and they'll try to compete, even the Saints, you know. But that's the thing, is that I, I just feel like there, there are two types of free agents out there. There's the one that wants to get paid and is a mercenary. And then there's the other one that wants to win. Yeah. Yeah, you see it every year. You know, this is like, man, he signed with... For how much? You know, that, that happens all the time. But it's like you see yeah. who he signed with, and it makes sense. It's like, oh, so-and-so only took X amount <laughs> to, to play for exactly. Belichick in, in New England. It's like, surprise, surprise. I, I wonder why he did that kind of thing. Well, well, because for 12 years in a row, the worst they did was the AFC championship game. So, yeah, you might want to go to New England <laughs> if you get a chance, you know. So, uh, it's uh, it's quite an opportunity. So, and it's... And it's a good spot the Rams have put themselves uh, in. So, uh, last things uh, we got here. Did you have a favorite spot for the for the commercials? Oh, uh, man, there were. I mean, 
obviously we, we already talked about one for, yep. for Moon Knight. Moon Knight, yeah. Uh, but to me, there was only two good ones aside from that. Okay. And for whatever reason, we never got, maybe we did, and you saw it and I did, but Multiverse of Madness, that, that never played. I did not see that. I, I didn't see yeah. it. I saw the teaser yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think they aired it. Yeah, I saw the teaser on Twitter, and then I went and saw the trailer on YouTube, which is bananas, that trailer. Oh, my God. And they, they really just went another level. <laughs> yeah, and I am so pissed we have to wait until May to see that now. But, man, that thing looks amazing, especially the whole Illuminati thing. I can't wait to find out what that's all about. But um, Oh, yeah. Um, for but, me, the, like, one, two, three, for me, number three would be the Moon Knight. Number two would be that halftime NFL commercial where they oh, had the different players scrambling about. And then, of course, for me, the Bears fan, who scores the touchdown, but Walter Payton. You know, goes diving into the television. And then number one, what I thought was the funniest spot of the night was that Alexa commercial with yeah, uh, that with, was Beth was with Scarlett Johansson and, and, and Colin Jost. Um, that one about him, you know, <laughs> remind me to fake my death. Uh, you know what's funny about that moment is that that's my birthday. Because he asks, <laughs> like, when does this start? March 8th. That's my birthday. It's like, oh, remind <laughs> me to fake my death on March 8th. <laughs> like, there you go. <laughs> So, oh man! But that for me, that was the funniest one. How Alexa kept saying things, um, you know. Oh, so and so left the oysters in the car for five hours, and everybody spits them out on the table and everything. That was my favorite ad of the night. So, yeah, yeah I would say that one, and then the one with uh, Rogan and uh, and uh, oh my god, Ku Legend Paul Rudd. Um, I thought that one with the lays was really okay. funny yeah yeah yeah. and and i feel like someone was funny but uh, i mean all the ones all after that every single one sucks in my opinion i just feel like commercials have gotten to the point where they try to be more annoying than they are like funny you know what i mean like yeah i mean and like, that's that's the thing about advertising is that i think it's yeah. it's more important to be memorable than it is to actually be good you know but think about it I don't remember any of the ones that were annoying. I just remembered that I didn't like them. And I remembered <laughs> the Lays one. And I remembered the Alexa one, just right, like you did. Right. So tell me what, what uh, method worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's it's always, like, for me, some of my favorite commercials were those, um, I want to say, like, Hertz Rent-A-Car from, like, back in the in the early 2000s or, or something like that, where there was, uh, like, people sitting around a table talking about what they can do to get people to rent more cars and one of my favorite commercials of all time, they're sitting around this table and he's like, oh, yeah, we'll have, uh, you know, we'll have CDs and, 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 you know, we'll have this and we'll have uh, power seats and blah, blah, blah. It's like, and we'll put aromatherapy candles in the car so that it cuts to a shot of the aromatherapy candles in the back, in the back, uh, uh, you know, of the car. Then it, <laughs> it pans back. The two people in the back seat are asleep. Then it pans back some more. And the driver is asleep at the wheel. It goes over the median and drives into traffic because the aromatherapy gals have chilled them out so much they all passed out in the car. Look it up on yeah. YouTube. You'll laugh your ass off when you see it. So, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, so what what positions do you want them to focus on in the in the off season? You said corner. Uh, was there any other place that we need to tighten up on for the ramps? Great question. I would say corner and interior offensive line. Um, and maybe because I'll tell you this right now, the Bears would be interested because I mean I think they got a, a great stable of backs. Maybe I think if Damian Williams, if I'm not mistaken, he's on a one year deal, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe a replace Damian Williams. They're, I, I, I honestly wouldn't mind them bringing back Cordero Patterson. Um, but, mm. you know, I, I think there's so many guys. I just looked at it, and free agency is loaded. I mean, you have Jarek McKinnon. You have Rashad Penny. Uh, you know, Sony Michelle is going to be added to that. So I, I don't know if the Rams will bring him back or not. But, you know, like J.D. McKissick, um, there's a lot of guys. You know, I, I believe James Connors there. So we'll see what happens with him. If you need a goal line back, I mean, he's, I, I don't think he missed a, a touchdown this year, a touchdown opportunity this year. But, um, you know, Ch- Chase Edmonds is also a free agent. There's a, there's just a lot all over the place. Melvin Gordon. Um, so, you know, I think that I might want to delve into that if I have the money. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think with the Rams, it's, it's a matter of bringing back the, the guys that you want to bring back. You can bring back Sebastian Joseph Day, do it. I mean, he had the best win rate of anybody in the interior defensive line uh, against the run. And then, you know, you look at obviously Vaughn and, and Odell. Those are key guys. And then maybe Darius Williams, but he has to realize he'd have to come back on a cheap deal because he didn't play well this year. You know, but they're, for the most part, I mean, all their guys are, are, are signed. I mean, the interior offensive line, you could talk about, you know, Brian Allen, the center, and, uh, you know, Austin Corbett, guard. But what if they just decided, you know, we'll let those guys go. We'll go out and get Brandon Sheriff, you know, and, and have a dominant guard. And, and, you know, somebody that he'd be the best guard the Rams have had since Baffle left, which, I mean, they haven't done the same. So, you know, they could do a lot of different things, but I'd say interior offensive line, corner, and then look at, you know, running back in case because Akers hasn't been able to stay healthy. I know it's a nice story and everything, but, you know, you can't expect him to just be fine. He's been hurt, you know, every single year he's been the league. And then Henderson, who I love, you know, I mean, he, he's been hurt a lot, banged up. And then Tony Michelle has literally the arthritic knee that Todd Gurley had. So, I mean, I, I don't know if necessarily, even if you decide, like, you know, of course you draft Jake Funk in the seventh round. Um, you have other guys, you know, Raymond Calais on the IR, Xavier Jones, guys like that. I, I don't know how you could, you know, consider at least, you know, Caleb Balaj maybe or Jarek McKinnon or somebody like that. I mean, try to get somebody that might be able to stay healthy and, and add, you know, some insurance. You know, because bringing back Sony Michelle, I mean, if, I, I wouldn't pay five million if I could. If, I wouldn't pay five million for Michelle if I could bring back, say, you know, bring Kalen Balaj in for a million. You know, right. that, that's kind of my point. Yeah, well, that's where the that's where Les Snead and his genius have uh, got to kick it in and, and see what leverage he has them being the GM of the World Champions and what kind of discount he can get from from players and who he's got to pay to uh, to come into town. Exciting. Yeah. That's so, going to be the exciting thing. And thanks to the season being a week longer, we're only a month away from those decisions uh, being made. And, uh, you know, uh, it's like we won't have long before the, you know, the new calendar year begins for the NFL on March 16th. And uh, then there will obviously it's draft season again, officially with the combine in two weeks and uh, and what have you. It's just like we were talking before we started recording. It's that 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 area from the draft to training camp, they got to figure out how to fill that up. I don't know if the USFL is going to be able to fill that void for me completely, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. I just know that for me, that's the uh, that's the cold, dark waste, you know, vast wasteland of uh, 
of the offseason for me is that spot from the day after the draft till training camp starts. It's just like I'm sitting there hating my life for three months. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you there. I absolutely hear you. That, that dead period, you know, after mini camp is just it's brutal. Yeah. Well, Jake, man, uh, congrats again on your team uh, winning it all. I hope to one day know what that feels like again because uh, I was you were four the last time the Rams won the Super Bowl I was seven yeah. the last time the Bears won and I am turning 44 on March the 8th so yeah it's uh, been a while for me so uh, yeah hopefully uh, we'll be able to see that before my hair goes gray and uh, you know I'm an old man that can't remember the last time the Bears won the Super Bowl so um, but thanks again for for coming back on the show to uh to review the game and uh, where can we keep up with you in the meantime for the rest of this off season? Absolutely. Um, you can keep up with all my stuff over on my YouTube channel. Um, I cover it's the 85% LA Rams channel. So I 85% of the time I'm talking about the Rams. I know it feels like a hundred right now, but at some point <laughs> I'm going I'm to be doing some gaming. I'm going to be doing, um, you know, some coverage of, you know, the MCU as you all know. Yeah. Um, talking, uh, you know, I have a horror movie, podcast that i put on hiatus but you know i want to bring that back and uh you know talking you know some other sports and maybe some betting you know we're, we're going to keep it going keep it live and definitely going to be covering the NFL draft in, in, in you know a big capacity i mean uh looking at trying to do a video for every prospect i can do so you know that would be you know a lot of fun and we're going to have prospect interviews on there as well uh, as uh partners you know from my company downtown rams with my co-host Alexis Kraft. We just interviewed our first, um, you know, uh, guest. So uh, really excited to, to kick off draft season and, and interview uh, some draft prospects. And, you know, that's pretty much what I'll, I'll be doing. You can find my stuff at JK Bogan on Twitter and, uh, you know, downtownrims.com as well. Uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. All right. So uh, I'm sure you and I will be in touch when uh, Moon Knight hits the airwaves and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, thanks so much uh, for coming back on. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds good. We absolutely will be. I cannot, I, I literally cannot wait for that show. That is going to be, as Kevin Feige said, it, it is going to be brutal. So yeah. give me brutal. <laughs> Looking forward to it. What a great time. As always, want to thank Jake Ellen Bogan for uh, coming back on the show to review the Super Bowl, to, uh, to share his insight on what he was thinking and feeling uh, as a fan with, with his team uh, reaching the, the pinnacle of our game. And, um, you know, the Rams not being on the schedule this year, we're going to have to try to create a reason or two for him to come back uh, on the show. So um, we were talking a bit off air after – uh, the conversation, and he mentioned that he's a draft guy. So maybe we'll have him back on to help us preview the draft uh, at some point, maybe in April or something like that. What's up next for me is, um, well, we're going to try that experiment. Uh, if you guys remember when I had Chris Gates on the on the show last to um, to, to have him and, and, and others back on the show to to kind of like do a retro thing, a, a rewind, if you will, uh, to watch a game in, in Bears history 
between myself and and usually the person that I'm having on the show. In 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 that instance, Chris Gates and I are going to talk about a game in 2008 between the Bears and the Vikings, and what a bananas football game that ended up uh, being. Um, I've reached out to several people right now. The only other person I have on the hook, believe it or not, is Emery Moorhead from the 85 Bears. Uh, I've picked a very interesting game in particular for he and I to uh, talk about. He has agreed to come back on the show, so now it's just a matter of uh, lining up our schedules to uh, to have him back on. Uh, that should be a lot of fun because I'm actually going to be asking him about a game that he played in and um, you know the way that that... Uh, that game turned out and how it affected the season and, and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be one uh, you want to listen to. And, and otherwise I'm, uh, you know, probably going to be reaching out to our friends like Evan Western and, uh, you know, Jeremy Reisman from, uh, you know, to do Green Bay and, and uh, Detroit games between uh, the Bears and the Lions and the Bears and the Packers and, uh, you know, see who else, you know, rattle a tree or a cage or something like that and see if I can get someone to come out of their uh, – or maybe even Lauren Cox. You know, I, I talked to him about it a little bit, actually, when we did the year in review to maybe do an episode on a game that he, like, for uh, do like an 85 Bears uh, game, because there are tons of those uh, on YouTube, and to watch one of those, to see that defense in its natural environment, and to see what it was like on a play-to-play basis. Not just the highlights where you watch them absolutely destroy uh, you know, and sack everything that moves, but to watch a a full game and see what they were like on a play by play basis, and to see that it was pretty much like that every snap. That uh, that's what made that defense so insane was how suffocating they were on every play, not just on the ones that made the highlight reel. So, um, so I think that's actually three that we're talking about uh, that I know for sure will come back. Um, and uh, looking forward to to the games that we pick out to you know, and it will all depend on who it is I get to come back or, or to come onto the show, uh, period, and uh, talk about these uh, talk about these games and and do a little retro thing. And of course, we'll have we'll do some free agency talk, and you know, like I said, we'll have the draft in there, and um, you know, try to f- create a couple of other reasons as well. And if nothing else, guys. I've got a brand new live show starting this Friday on the ColorCast app. You heard the ads uh, at the start of the show and then uh, at the midway point uh, as well. Download the ColorCast app if you're – they don't have an Android app again. I don't know what what the deal is with that. But um, if you have an iPhone or an iPad or whatever, you can download uh, the app and you look for me at BTU Larry. No underscore on this one, just BTU uh, Larry and follow me so you know when uh, when my show goes live. Um, scheduled to be 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern on Fridays. I figure that would be a, a good night to do it because me with no social life, I need something to do on Friday, God help me. So I uh, figure that would be a good thing to, uh, to do. So we'll get that uh, started and um, see how long that uh, we uh, the network hangs on with the uh, – with ColorCast and, and how long we'll be able to do the show, see if we can't get it going throughout the off season. But the first show will be this Friday, February 18th, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Be sure to join me, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk Bears, and we'll talk the season. We'll talk Ryan Poles and, and uh, you know, Matt Eberflus and uh, see what, uh, you know, what we're thinking, who we want to go after in free agency, who we sign, who we let go, uh, and everything else. So uh, 
Come and join me on Friday for that. Uh, otherwise, keep your eyes peeled on uh, on the social media, BTU underscore Larry on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also follow the Facebook group uh, as well to um, to join the group there and, and get updates on when the next show uh, is going to drop. Because like I said, now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, maybe take a break or take a week or so off aside from the uh, live show and, um, you know, start reeling guys in to start, you know, giving a shot at the uh, at those rewind uh, shows and uh, see how that experiment goes. So anyways, that's going to do it for now. Keep your eyes open on the social media to find out when the next show is going to be. Uh, or you can find me every Friday night on the ColorCast app for Club 34-7 at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been Bears Talk Underground. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. 
but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.